0: A dents and scratches putting a dent in your day? Introducing Rogerstein Crash Repairs Adelaide, your trusted solution for automotive woes. With over two decades of expertise, Rogerstein Crash Repairs guarantees top notch service, restoring your vehicle to its former glory in no time. From minor dings to major collisions, our skilled technicians handle it all with precision and care using state of the art equipment and techniques rogerstein crash repairs saved my car it looks brand new fast friendly and reliable i wouldn't trust anyone else with my vehicle don't let accidents slow you down visit rogerstein crash repairs adelaide at 14 penner avenue glind for quality service you can count on and here's a special offer just for our listeners mention this podcast and receive a 100 dollars discount on your repair Roger Steen Crash Repairs Adelaide Excellence in every repair Flashbacks Flashbacks. Five Good Minutes in the Clubhouse
1: Tonight, we're pleasure, pleased to introduce Millie Bishop, a physiotherapist involved in the neurological side of things as well. Thought it was important as a follow up on the concussion side of, side of things, the CT, the developments, developments on females more likely to get concussion and hand over more to an expert than us mere by, bystanders. So, welcome aboard, Millie.
2: Thanks, guys. Thanks for having me on tonight.
3: Thanks for joining us, uh, Millie. Um, we wanted to talk, obviously, that it was a pretty topical subject with um, the un- untimely uh, passing of Heather Anderson uh, mm-hmm. and her uh, donation to the Australian Sports Brain Bank. And obviously, you're an expert in this area, and we thought it was important to, uh, to pick your brain on um, what's going on in that, uh, that field of work at the moment.
2: Yeah, definitely. Really important topic at the moment, like you said, especially with this news coming out about Heather Anderson being the first female athlete or first female in general but first female athlete to be diagnosed with CTE. Um, and I suppose taking a step back before that, I suppose what we're looking at is is concussion as a whole and how this is affecting females differently to males. Yep. Um, really important topic at the moment, especially with females being a lot more involved in this contact sport, which is really exciting. Um, but it also warrants sort of further investigation into how this affects females differently and why it affects females differently. Um, and I suppose what we can do in terms of pre- preventative measures and then also management strategies and that rehab and looking at that return to play and how we manage that appropriately. So we're trying to lessen the the risk of CTE, I suppose, um, and the, the impact that that has on an individual's life.
1: And how are we trying to do that, Millie? What's, what, what are the thoughts... In- uh, in that package effectively. Yeah,
2: yeah. So I suppose um, what we're looking at is CTE being defined. Um, it's a degenerative brain disease and the the issue that we have with it is at the moment the only way to diagnose it is an autopsy post-mortem. So after someone's died is the only way we can tell that they have it and it's when we find these deposits of protein sort of within the brain. So what we're trying to do then, I suppose, is, like I said, limit those um, repeated head knocks because that's what it's associated with. So there's repeated concussions and repeated exposure to head knocks. So I suppose we're taking it all the way back and, and there's a lot of research looking at preventative measures, whether that's um, starting at a younger level. So looking through school sports and taking that tackling component out of it or you know, seeing how we can lessen that impact there. And that's been um, done so with we'll,
1: both male and female? Yeah, male? that's exactly yeah. right.
2: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, through both male and female. Um, I mean, both genders are obviously at risk of it, but like we'll touch on maybe a little bit later yep. is why females are more at risk and more susceptible to it in the first place. Um, but then, like I said, it comes down to those things of recognise a concussion as well. So on game day, having the right personnel there to recognise it Um, obviously we do at that higher level but thinking down to things like local level sports as well I suppose um, where we have the right personnel there recognize it getting players off of this and managing it appropriately in terms of the diagnosis the right steps for resting and recovering and then an active rehab and returning to sport at the right time as well
1: and how do you think that's developing will it develop in like the AFL's uh, protocol at the moment is you know the the 12 to 14 days, do you see that lengthening, that time?
2: Yeah, I do. And it's it's tricky because we look at all different sports and everyone has their own protocol. So everyone's got a different sort of time frame that they're working yeah. within, which I think we'll have to get to a point where, um, and I don't know how far away it is, but we'll have to get to a point where it's recognised sort of the same across the board. Um, but that comes with you know more research and that's really what we need at the moment it's a, it's a really tricky area that's under research at the moment but obviously such a big issue yeah. and these things do take time obviously so yeah it's, i do it's see time it time with
1: compiling all the data uh, and that yeah. side of things that you can it's, yeah it's it's a tick tick box area but it mm-hmm. sort of has to be doesn't it really
2: that's exactly right it does and like i said these things do take time to do the research well um and to look at it across, like we said, things like CTE, the difficulty of that is, you know, we're researching these things off people, over people's lifetimes, you know. Mm. Um, so it is a time-consuming thing, but obviously a really important thing. Yeah.
3: So we've had, obviously, some um, male football players donate their brain to the uh, Sports yeah. Brain Bank. How uh, and... How important was it that Heather, um, as part of her final wishes, that she donated her brain? How does that help you guys when it comes to research and and take that next step?
2: Yeah, so important and really special that um, the family and Heather were willing to do that in terms of research. Like I said, it's something that's not um, diagnosed until an autopsy is performed. So really that's the only way that we're getting these diagnoses and finding out more about concussions and CTE and this, the the damage, I suppose, that is done with repeated head knocks. So really important in terms of the research moving forwards and, yeah, very, very helpful.
3: Do you, uh, do you see that um, her donation will change the landscape for women's football going into the future, especially in the short term but obviously in the long term?
2: Yeah, look, it has to. And like you said, we, we've seen this, um, a few of these in in male athletes and just the fact that this is the first one in, in female athletes and, and like we we're going to touch on too, why females are more susceptible, um, them being at a greater risk of concussions and then likely a greater risk of CTE, it has to have some impact on how we move forward with with female sports in contact, female athletes, sorry, in contact sport,
1: and it, it's also an education process. Still, so much out there. People keep going off, you know, the the average person. Oh, footy's being made softer, you know, in terms mm-hmm. of the the sling tackle, and you're trying to go, hang on, folks, with what's happening off the ground in terms of not only litigation, which is obviously a, a massive issue as well, but the whole mm-hmm. health aspect of concussion. It's not whether we want. It's not that we want footy to become softer with that crap comment. It has – the game must change or it's going to die. And people just have still got their heads buried in the sand dramatically in that regard, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, I agree. And I think um, there was this sort of – I suppose it's a misconception that, you know, you get concussed, you just get back up, carry on, it's just a head knock or, you know, that it's not a big deal. But when we're looking at a concussion, it's essentially a mild traumatic brain injury. Yes. Um, and so what we're understanding with more research is how serious that can be and obviously how that's affecting people long-term. So while, you know, AFL is fantastic and while it's not just about that, it's not about, I suppose, the sport itself, it's bigger than that and it's yes. about these people's lives and how it affects them, you know, moving forwards into retirement and the rest of their life. So it's a bit bigger than just just sport, I suppose, and game day stuff.
1: And even just using it as an example, the. Not- Jordan Butts got concussed again from the collision a couple of weeks ago. We, yeah. And that, yeah, I think that's the fourth time he's had concussion, fourth or fifth time uh-huh. he's had concussion. Now, and like we've, McCartan from St Kilda yeah. now will be looked like his mate he's going to have to retire. His yeah. brother has now gone through a fair bit as well. It, it's still so much learning going out on what's happening out there, as you yeah. said, of the overall picture, not just mm. the game.
2: Yeah, and I think they are interesting ones um, just in terms of how little it takes to be concussed sometimes too. Yes. So sometimes, and, and how often we're seeing it, you know, I'll, look, I'll watch a footy game and you'll see someone get hit in the head, you know, pretty well every game. And you wonder if that's a concussion or hope that they're being looked at. So, like, it's the nature of the sport, isn't it, in terms of yes. being a contact sport. But then you look at those ones like Paddy McCartan in that Sydney game, and how little of a movement it is, and how much it can affect someone. So that's what we're learning too, that with repeated head knocks, so once you've suffered one concussion, the likelihood of suffering another increases, and if we keep repeating that before your brain has had time to heal too, the the effects of the concussion on the brain just you know can become detrimental.
1: And then you still get the cliche comment, people go, oh, why don't they wear? You just wear a helmet? And you go, mm. unfortunately, there's yet to be a helmet developed, which, yeah. help, which helps with concussion because the concussion is the brain landing on the ground and the shaking still occurring. So it's not helping whatsoever well, yet. If, if there could be a helmet yeah, developed, that it would the, be fantastic. we N- all love that.
3: The NFL wear uh, massively protected hard helmets and yep. they're still getting this problem.
1: Yeah, but that's why yeah. for different... Footy with it being the three sixty game, my understanding is the is the gridiron. A lot of that's worn to stop the cuts and all that. Where right the footy footy is just different again. And we yep. as, we'd all love medically, we'd all love a helmet to be developed. But mm. it, at the moment, it certainly doesn't look like we're anywhere near anything like that. Is my is my understanding?
2: Yeah, and I think that's still that comes down to the education a little bit too. I think doesn't it? Of- yeah. Probably the general public watching that and making those sort of comments, but yeah, I suppose what we're thinking about with helmets is they're they're good in the sense that they're protective of the skull, so protective from sort of skull fractures. Going, yes yeah but what we know with a concussion is that's actually happening internally at a cellular level, so I heard a good analogy the other day of imagine a cup full of water and you pop a ping pong ball in it and then wrap, wrap bubble wrap around the cup, shake the ping pong ball or shake the cup, sorry, and the ping pong ball is still moving with inside the water, yeah. and that's what's happening with our brain inside our skull. You're still getting that movement um with the helmets that we've we've got at the moment, so like you said, unless something else Fantastic is invented that can prevent concussions. In that sense, um, helmets aren't quite doing the trick at the moment.
3: And Heather was a uh, proponent of wearing a helmet. Yeah. Yes. And that's yeah. probably the 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 thing that stands out the most is that she's taken um, some precautionary measures because of that, and yeah. it still mm. hasn't uh, hasn't helped her like she had hoped. Now, Millie, yeah. can you
1: can you go a bit further now on the on the bits of females being more susceptible and just. Explain that side of things.
2: Certainly. So um, while there is some research coming into purely female athletes in sport like this and why they are susceptible, there is still a lot that we need to work out. So at the moment we know that females are about 1.7 times more likely to sustain a cushion than males, but we're not entirely sure why. So some current research does suggest that it's likely because of a sort of bone structure I suppose females having a shorter and narrower neck so sometimes that can be associated with less neck strength and we know neck strength is sort of suggested to be a protective factor against concussions and some research does suggest that you know athletes with stronger neck musculature are able to sort of withstand the velocity of a concussion so they diffuse that impact through their muscles um, and as a result there's less head displacement that occurs so if we think of females having narrower um, shorter necks, not as much musculature to sort of absorb that um, movement. They're getting more movement through their neck um, and in turn more movement of the their brain. brain. Yeah. That's exactly right. Yeah. The second sort of proposed theory of why um, females might be more susceptible is looking at hormones. Also looking at menstrual cycle. So yeah. There is some research that's looking at the phases of the menstrual cycle and how that's affecting uh, females' risk of concussion, but also how it affects their recovery.
1: And also so, of knee, of ACLs as well.
2: Yes, yeah. yes, that's exactly yeah. right. Um, so there was a report by Gallagher in 2018, this one was done, and it does look at the effects of hormonal contraception on outcomes of sports related concussions. So this is in America. And they're suggesting that females' symptom burden, so after they have a concussion, that's more related or closely associated with the use of hormone contraceptives. So those who were not taking contraceptives had more severe symptoms compared to those who were taking hormone contraceptives. Wow. So big area for you know a lot more research to be done yeah. in, but definitely worth looking into. The third sort of proposed theory is whether there's under-reporting by male athletes. So we know yeah. there's actually under-reporting across the board, so both females and males under-report, um, but it appears that females do tend to be a little bit more forthcoming and honest when they're reporting their um, sports-related concussions. Why that is, not entirely sure, whether it's, you know, they are a little bit more concerned about their health and future, a bit more open about it, or maybe a bit more responsive to sort of that input. Um you know, whether it's males trying to be tough and carry on with the game. It's and interesting
1: Interesting, you've said that, Millie. I, it, I interviewed Tom Harley at a lunch in, in Sydney mm-hmm. and, and Tom made the point where the guys now are speaking up more and coming yes. out on the Monday and going, hey, yeah, I'm not right, uh, where previously very much so. Bloke, yep. the old smelling salts, get on with it, play the game out, where – we've now progressing where guys are finally going, well, hey, I'm not okay, not only about concussion, but talking about concussion in this instance that I think we are getting there with that, that the male macho bullshit is gradually disappearing.
2: Yeah, I think you're right. And, again, I think it comes down to, um, in the concussion sense, that education of, you know, like we said, it's bigger than just a, a football game, you know, this is their lives and... Um, they're doing the right thing for themselves but sort of by the team too, by speaking up and coming forward with that and being managed appropriately rather than just trying to push through these sort of things.
1: It's a fascinating topic. It
3: is. Yeah, with, it is. With, with um, obviously most of your male, uh, or actually all of your male um, uh, Donations that have come in. Mm-hmm. They've obviously come in from some elder um, yeah. players. Um, unfortunately, obviously, in this case, Heather was only 28 years of age, which yeah. is just amazing that that could happen to someone so young. Mm-hmm. But from a study point of view, having somebody who has donated their brain at the age of 28, does that give you even more insight into what needs to change?
2: Oh, absolutely. And like you said, it's, it's a big difference, isn't it? I mean, it's such a, a loss of... A life at 28 years old is so sad, but um, very important in terms of a research perspective. Um, And also that link, I suppose, if we're thinking about most of these deaths are sort of by suicide. And so looking at that link between concussion and mental health and CTE and mental health, obviously, Mm. um, and we know there is a relationship, but again, it's it's getting enough um, resources into researching exactly why that's related and why that happens. Yeah.
3: So, have, yeah, really important. Have you read the report from Heather's autopsy?
2: I haven't read it in detail. I did have a little flick through, but I haven't read it in detail.
3: Now, educate myself and, uh, and the mm. listeners as well. There were mm. some abnormalities there for someone so young. Is that that, that correct?
2: Yes, absolutely. So my understanding um, is that what they found was those deposits of protein within the brain. So they are, they are what's, um, I suppose, defining of cte so definitive of that cte being present so certainly abnormalities in that sense um and and like i said that's how they're coming away with that diagnosis
3: absolutely unbelievable what Mm. um what from your point of view obviously there's got to be a lot more research done done to this but Mm. where where is it sort of trending at the moment is there um is there options that we may be able to diagnose this uh, without obviously someone passing away in the future. Is that, Mm. I mean, obviously that's the best case scenario, but are we sort of trending in that direction?
2: Look, I hope so. And it it is tricky to say just with the position we're at at the moment, probably, but um, I think the way that it's getting recognized now in terms of concussions being such a prevalent issue and getting that recognition, I think it has to sort of trend in that direction. Um, there's more awareness around it now. And, and as it moves forward, I think we'll learn more about it, which is probably a little bit unfortunate, fortunate obviously, um, but helpful in the sense that ideally we'll be able to get to a point where we can prevent this development.
1: Hey, Millie, greatly appreciated on coming on board. It's certainly a, it's a, it's it's a, a fascinating topic, topic yeah. but it, it, and it's such a vital topic. And I'm sure it's something we'll love to follow up with you in the future as we develop more and more knowledge and get more data and more information comes available.
2: Absolutely. No, thank you for having me on, guys. Like I said, very important issue, so more than happy to sort of have a chat about it and get it out there as much as we can.
1: Greatly appreciated, Millie. Thank you, Millie.
2: Thanks, guys.
3: We thank Millie for her time tonight, uh, obviously talking about the uh, CTE side of things. And there's a few uh, interesting parts of that conversation that um, made me sort of uh, scratch my head and go, wow, I'm I'm interested in how they're uh, going about some of these testing processes. And like we said, unfortunately, with Heather Anderson uh, passing away at such a young age that they're actually able to get some great insight into uh, such a young player getting this uh, disease versus some of the male players.
1: Look, it was fascinating But educational was probably my summary of that. Educational for all of us uh, and a great learning to listen and learn about concussion on both a male and female perspective.
3: Absolutely. Uh, we did invite Millie uh, to come back on once, um, you know, there's a little bit of more data, more data with the CTE and the concussion and, and obviously players, obviously Sean Tasker. Um, yeah, greatly this.
1: appreciated with Sean putting me on to Millie.
3: So, yeah. Absolutely. And obviously his work with Neuroflex yep. seems to be going global at the moment. I did like his Facebook page yes. with Neuroflex. There seems to be an article uh, every couple of days that they're in a new city, some yeah. cases a new country, uh, and working on some of that stuff. So we wish um, him all the best with that. and, oh, and Tess is
1: taking over the world. It's okay, <laughs> It
3: is. It uh, is. And we'll speak with Millie at some stage uh, again with that. Liking this
0: podcast? Please like, rate and subscribe.